This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison. Alongside me today are Ian Doyle and David Lynch. It is, of course, the international break, which means no Liverpool game for a while, but we'll be providing you with plenty of Reds content nonetheless over the course of the next fortnight or so. For today, we thought we'd have a chat about Liverpool's season so far. The players who are returning from injury after the international break as well. We'll also touch on the great start to the season for LFC women who beat Chelsea at Brenton Park on Sunday. But for the first part of the podcast, I thought we'd split it into three sections. Defence, midfield and attack. Doyle, come to you first. We might as well start with the defence and have a little bit of a, a chat around what we've seen so far this season. Obviously, we don't need to go into the broader points and difficulties, but there are some bits that we would like to touch upon today. I know it was kind of something that we talked about a little bit in the summer around Joe Gomez. Obviously, it wasn't a great half for him against Napoli, but what have you made of him so far this season? It's been a, a bit of a unexpected opportunity, I suppose, for him to play quite a few games. He was doing all right until he uh, lost the ball halfway through the first half at Napoli, and then he uh, his head fell off and we haven't seen him again since, since half-time, so... Admittedly, Liverpool have barely played a game since then, so that's been one thing. But Gomez, he's been—I actually think he's been—he was the best player against Everton. I think he's—he's he's done quite well in his other performances. It was just those 20 minutes against Napoli, and they're obviously—he's—you know—whether we like it or not, as not a, as a player who's been at Liverpool for a long time and not a big money buyer, there's a lot of you know sections of the fan base who just don't like him. So uh, they were quite—you know—I wouldn't say pleased to see him drop out of the team, but they're not exactly clamouring for him to get back. But you know, Jurgen Klopp said he's in the best form, or the best shape, I should say, that he'd been in for a long time. And he was one of the players who was, you know, a couple of seasons ago he got injured, didn't he? He was out for about nine months along with Van Dijk. Whereas Van Dijk hit the ground running, came in and played games, Gomez wasn't really given that opportunity. And I don't think he'd, um, until recently, he'd not started a Premier League game at centre-back, had he? Until uh, since the game where he, you know, the game before he got injured against Man City back in 2020. So... It's been difficult for him, but, you know, you asked me the question, I actually think he'd been quite good apart from those 20 minutes against Napoli, which unfortunately are the last 20 minutes, which is what everybody remembers. So, uh, you know, the other thing on top of that is that Matip came in second half, did well, and he's done well in the uh, against Ajax, obviously scored the winner as well. So, from it being at the start of the season, look as though Canati would be the main centre-back alongside Van Dijk. It's now, well, Gomez had his chance, and unfortunately, he... Uh, Poor 20 minutes and he's lost the position to Matip. I mean, they all get other chances. And of course, we could easily go on about Van Dijk and say where the reach should be started. So, you know, that, that, that kind of shows you the issues that they've grabbed at the moment at, uh, in defence at centre-back, at least. Yeah, Ibrahim Konate, obviously, on his way back from injury as well, Lynchy, that's going to add to the kind of headache in turn. Well, I suppose headache is, is one way of putting it. It's, it's probably a benefit in another way that you can rotate and, and move those options round at, at the back. But I suppose that's that's kind of the challenge that Joe Gomez knew he was going to sign up for. He signed the new contract in the summer. It's it's not like a surprise that these options are all there. This is, is kind of what Liverpool want, really. Yeah, and I, th- I think there will be opportunities for him to play to play games again, despite you know what he did in in Naples and, and his struggles there. I think you know he, he has been sort of pulled out of the team now, but I think because the season's so condensed and the football's so constant, I think you know it's going to be the case that he will get opportunities to be rotated in at times so it's not you know it's not the end of his season already but I think it's clear that you know in terms of being first choice to partner Virgil van Dijk 
he's you know he's he's done a little bit of harm to his prospects there and Matip being back and, and playing well and then Canate coming back in the guy who sort of finished the season as his first choice last season um, alongside Van Dijk is is not really going to do him any favors in terms of getting back in but I think he'll hope that you know he, he can sort of force his way back in because he will he will get those opportunities he, you know probably starting out in the cup games and things like that but you know I think though that rotation has to happen because of how busy the season is and then Jurgen Klopp's a manager who if you play well he doesn't want to mess with things too much so you know you can you can play yourself back into the team so that that chance will be there but yeah it, it, it was poor timing really for him to put in that bad game because as I agree with Doyle in terms of I think he um, I think he started the season quite well and was one of the better defenders actually in the team up until that point but if you you know he was quite shambolic in Naples, we have to admit. And if you put in a performance like that, you are going to sort of pay the price in terms of being dragged out of the team. Yeah, I suppose with so many games, like you say, there will be more opportunities for him. And I suppose there's possibly an opportunity for him at right back at certain times as well. Possibly it's not the ideal position for him, but we've kind of covered the, the sort of issues that Trent Alexander-Arnold has, has had so far this season. Though. We don't need to kind of spend too much time on him. I know he's obviously away with England over the international break. I'd be surprised if he played too much for them, but it almost feels like it might be a decent opportunity for him to have a bit of a rest and, and a reset because, again, it's it's not been the best of starts of the season for him at right back. He's just had two weekends of rest. Liverpool don't play any games anymore, so I think, I think all the players have had a nice kip. Um, he had the one game against Ajax, which he did. I know he was, he was guilty of ball watching for their goal, but he was actually a lot better in the second half. I thought he was quite good, actually, in the second half against Ajax. But I don't know. Does Calvin Ramsey exist? Is he a real person? You know, I know it's been flippant there, but obviously we haven't seen anything of him yet. It was he's 18 years of age, so he's been bought for the long term. But unfortunately for Liverpool, they actually could have quite done with him being around straight away. Not his fault. I mean, as you mentioned, Joe Gomez could have played right back, but he's had to play centre back. And then you've got James Milner could have played right back, but he's had to play just about everywhere else. And he shouldn't even be playing anyway. At, 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 you know, start so many games at his age. Like, Quite a lot of things have happened that meant that Trent hasn't really had any, you know, pressure on his position. Which, you know, he he does. Every player needs it. You see it with everybody. You saw what happened with, you know, with with Mane when suddenly, you know, Diaz turns up and there's a bit of pressure on his position and he has a great end to the season. Saw it with the, you know, with, you've seen it many many times in the past. The minute that somebody comes in to pressurise the position, they put in good performances. You could argue Matip last season with with Canati coming in as well. So. I do think Trent's suffering a little bit from that, but you know he's got enough to get through. I don't necessarily see the next couple of weeks as being a, a being a rest for him or a break from him because you're just going to go to a, an England squad that doesn't really appreciate his talent. Certainly, the, the the management in terms of knowing what to get out of him. We've done this a million times before as well. So, you know, they don't necessarily think he's a player who can fit into their system. So, he's, as you said, he's not going to play many games. At least it means hopefully he won't get injured. Yeah. Exactly, exactly that. I suppose the, the Calvin Ramsey thing is, is interesting, isn't it? not least because you look across at the other side and obviously Liverpool have got that at left-back with Simicast and, and Robertson. We've seen a bit of interchanging with those two players as well. I mean, in terms of Calvin Ramsey, w- would he have, have played a big part in the early start of, of the season anyway or would it have been a, an integration for him, do you think? How much of a, an impact has, has that made? Yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. It's an interesting one because you know you don't know where Liverpool sort of see 
where he's up to in terms of his development because he's coming from a, a much weaker league. He's still really young. So, you know, it's not like I think he'd have been seen as a sort of clear rotational option in the way that Simakas is because he's got so similar level of experience and quality to Robertson. That's, you know, there's a bit of a fight there at left back at the moment, to be honest, with the way that Robertson started the season. I think Simakas can sort of feel hard done by that he's maybe only started two games this season. Um, on the other side, it, it, it will be slightly different, I think. I agree with Doyle in terms of it probably would have been Gomez being the deputy right back at the start of this season as Ramsey sort of acclimatised to training with this team and, and getting used to the system. I think I think Gomez would have been used out there, but then obviously that wasn't an option then because of the injuries at centre-half. He had to start there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I still think because he's missed this period of time, Ramsey, and he's still got to sort of get a pre-season in his legs, um, you know, still again might be a little bit of a while to we see him. I suppose, you know, the League Cup games will be coming up and, and they're less important important and therefore you know maybe that's an opportunity to use him and, and you don't you don't mind taking a couple of risks with your selection there but I think you know if it comes to sort of Trent Alexander-Arnold needing a rest or he needs a couple of weeks out with an injury or anything like that you'd, you'd think that Joe Gomez is probably the, the right back at the moment just because yeah I think it, it would be a little bit of a risk to just throw Calvin Ramsey straight in. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Certainly, be interesting to see when he does get fit. What kind of happens? What kind of level that he's at at that age? Obviously, high hopes for him for the future. From what we've heard from people who've watched him a lot in Scotland, is that he is very similar to Trent, which I suppose is the thing with Joe Gomez, isn't it? You don't quite get that same stylistic type thing. But certainly, be interesting to see what happens. But let's move on to the the midfield. Then, obviously, we've spoken a lot about this. Again, we don't need to to go into depth on certain bits of, of what's happened and who's missing and all the rest of it, Doily. Is it is it as simple as just get one or two bodies back, Thiago being the, the biggest of those, and things suddenly look very different in that midfield? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, when you have your best players back, how things start to improve a little bit. I mean, yeah, most of them are injured. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean what, what else can we say? You know what I mean? It's like, I know, I know everyone, well, a lot of people spoke about needing to sign a midfield in the summer, which... Given the fact that they ended up getting Arter in on loan on the last day, suggests that perhaps they were right. But all of that was mainly due to the injuries to Kate and Oxlade Chamberlain. And then you have the arguments, but they're always injured anyway. So why didn't you do something? Can't really work like that, can you? That's just not the way things work, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, the interesting thing for me, we've said this before, is that a lot of the players who've been injured are the same type of player, which is why. One of the issues that Liverpool got at the moment, and it's not his fault, is the right side of midfield with Harvey Elliott. He's having to play every single game. What is he, 19? He's playing in a team that's not playing at its best. And he's been asked to do something that he's never done before. I think he only started like 12 or 13 games in midfield it's in, 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 in the top flight in his entire career. It's not many. And then, you, you know, you'd expect, you'd expect to get a little bit of help from some of his teammates who suddenly have gone off form or for whatever reason. So it's tough on him, but... Look at that right side of midfield. Cater could have played there. Henderson could have played there. Oxley Chamberlain could have played there. Jones could have played there. And you could have swapped Thiago over to play there. But then there's no one to play on the left. And Milner has been playing there. But he, as we said before, he's playing far too many games. So, you know, that, that's been the situation. You know, so I don't know. I, th- I think it's just one Liverpool just had to, you know, grin and bear it. Just get on with it. Grit the teeth. You know, it, it's just... I, I've been slightly surprised that they haven't changed the formation a bit. I'll be honest. But then on top of that, we'll get to the strikes in a bit. And it's like, well, the new striker that's meant to redefine the team hasn't been playing for half the games anyway. So, you know, there's quite a lot 
Because Joel Matip, was it that he got asked before the game against Stark? He said, what one thing's wrong? And he said, there isn't. There's just loads of stuff that's been a problem. And I can't go through them all now. Which was a shame, really, because it would have filled the pages. So uh, <laughs> shouldn't really press him on it a bit further. But he doesn't, really, he doesn't normally say he doesn't normally say much. But he actually, no. he was quite good in the end. Yeah, he was quite good. So we were quite pleased with what he came out with. But yeah, that's, that's one thing I would say: the players have all been pretty honest about it. It has been quite brutal what they've been coming out and saying. It's not like they've been putting their heads in the sand and going, "Oh yeah, we're we're you know you know oh, yeah things this can change. We can turn it round to that and the other." Or doing what has become known as the Manchester United way. Of when they lose the game, going onto social media and apologising to the fans. I don't think, I, I, I don't think any of the Liverpool players have apologised to the fans, have they? No, they've just gone. Well, hang on, that's not going to get us anywhere. I know Klopp did at, at Napoli when he went up to the the away end and you know said sorry, but you know there's a there's a, a multitude of reasons why he may have done that, given the the context of that game and some stuff that got said around it. Um, and but yeah, I think Liverpool have just been said look things aren't right we know exactly what it is we just got to get on with it and we've got to sort it out and what i would like to say i've just written something now actually i think the timing of it has been absolutely poor for liverpool in the sense that i think people haven't noticed that they haven't won an away game this season and if you look at their away games before the world cup in the premier league they've either been against promoted teams because they played full and they got forest coming been a bit against top four teams they played united they've got to play chelsea arsenal and tottenham away and Everton, and they're like the four, three, sorry, the three groups of teams you absolutely would not want to play if you're A, at the start of the season, or B, struggling with, you know, this, that, and the other. Can you imagine if Liverpool had played, I don't know, for example, Leicester away, they probably would have got, you'd like to think that they got a better result. I mean, that's not to excuse what's going on. Yeah. That's just an example of the situation. A lot of little things have gone on that have meant that things have looked, you know, not worse than they are, but they have brought it to the fore, you know, they've exposed it. And I think, if you look at the end of last season, Liverpool actually was stumbling on the line in most of the games towards the end of the season. They were 2-0 down against Villarreal, weren't they, in the second leg? They managed to turn that one around. And then that kind of, you know, they were down against Tottenham, they were down against Southampton, they were down against Wolves in the last game. They won the FA Cup on penalties, lost the Champions League final. You can see they've just kind of, something's not been quite right, whether they've been too tired or whatever have you, you know, as, you know, as Lynchy said, I think, the, the, the week, it's like, from January on, it was like, every single game was, we've got to win this game, you know, and it's kind of, that does get you down a little bit after a while, it just wear you down, and I think whether or not, will the pressure be off Liverpool when they come back against Brighton? Will people, because, you know, as I said, they've got the next two games after, you know, they've got Brighton, the informed Brighton, then they've got Arsenal away, and then they've got City at home, you know what I mean? So what, what, what are people expecting from those games? It's, you know, it, it's not, going to be easy and I don't know whether the pressure will be off them a little maybe we've spoken about Klopp maybe having to manage expectations this season with you know a bit of a change up front and everything else that's going on obviously none of that's answering the question that you asked me about the midfield but I just wanted to make those points but in terms of the midfield you're right Thiago coming back Fabinho they're they're two of the three and if as long as you've got two I'd say there's probably three You'd say Henderson as well. If you've got two of those three players playing in the team, then you've got a much better chance. And I know they didn't play well against Fulham, but that can happen every now and again. And they still didn't lose that game, by the way. Um, so that can happen. But if you've got those two of those three, then that's the basis for it. And I think certainly they're more defensive-minded than every other midfield or able to run around the pitch more than any other midfielder that would come into those positions at the moment. Yeah, I think that's, to be honest, why it's, it's not really fair to, to judge Harvey Elliott and kind of the impact that he's had on that midfield because probably 
a lot of, of the games that the Donnie mentions there, the, the tough away games, the ones that are coming up, Lynch, he, probably those are not the games that you would have earmarked to have Harvey Elliott in necessarily. That might have been a game where you'd go, well, that's a, a Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago game. But Harvey Elliott's been one of three or four players that has been fit and he's had to, to play in those games. They've had no choice. That's it. He deserves credit, really, for what he has done in this period because I think there's been some impressive performances in there. But I think we, we're slowly sort of seeing where there's a little bit of a downfall in terms of what he can do on the, the other side of the ball, stuff that he has to learn still. That you know, And, and also he's being thrown in and basically he has to be Jordan Henderson. And I think that's a little bit unfair on him as well. He's you know, a totally different sort of profile of player. So that makes things difficult. I think the one thing I would say about the midfield is that you know, Liverpool went into the season and said, we don't need to sign... Uh, central midfield is certainly not one of first team quality anyway I know Arta came in in the end but it's not someone I expect to stick around beyond this season if I'm honest um, so the real test of that will come now after the international break you know Liverpool can say okay we were unlucky at the start of the season in terms of the injuries and that made things look a lot worse than, than they actually are but I think you know if, if they, they can get the full complement of midfielders back um, and, and Klopp has his options there the ones he was happy to go into this season with then we'll see whether Liverpool were actually right about that being enough to, to take this team to you know the, the level it was at last season um, and whether they can sort of rediscover that form because you know all the options he wanted or, or, or was willing to start the season with it are going to be there pretty much you know not just after the international break or pretty soonish after that so um, yeah we'll, we'll we'll put Liverpool's sort of theory that they were okay in midfield to the test I suppose. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see sort of Artur as well if if he can get himself a little bit fitter. Obviously, played in the uh, the under twenty ones game over the weekend, so it looks like he's going to be certainly a little bit sharper than what he looked against Napoli. And obviously, up to this point, it's been a little bit difficult for him. But just before we we move past the the midfield, Gordy, I've always got to mention Curtis Jones whenever I get the opportunity. I really do think he's he's a huge talent. But again, it's it's just been another frustrating season for him. There's there's nothing he can do about it, of course. It's It's been injuries, but it felt like it was going to be a big year for him and he's just not yet had the opportunity to play when, let's be honest, if, if he was fit, he would have got a lot of minutes in that midfield. Well, the good thing for him is that he didn't miss pre-season, did he? So, in that sense, he, he's, he'll be as up to speed as most of the other players. I mean, we don't know what he's been doing behind the scenes and what exactly the stress-related injury actually is. But from what Klopp was saying... Last time round, he aggravated it because he was on the bench, wasn't he? Against Newcastle, so he yeah. technically was back. Um, he's aggravated it, he doesn't think it's going to be that bad. I mean, even if he comes back halfway through October, that's still another month, and Liverpool are playing two games a week, so he's going to get games anyway. So I think he's still got an important part to play. And you know, he'll be one of the many, many Liverpool players who then, when the season stops for six weeks in November, he'll be able to have a bit of a rest and then get back to, to, to being fit. I mean, how many games? I think they've got seven league games left, or eight eight league games left. I think it is before the season stops. That's twenty four points, and they're going to have to be. You know, we mentioned the games that they've got. They've got some very tough games coming up, so they've got to get as many points as they can. And there's the Champions League as well, which the one season that it starts early and finishes early, the group stage is perhaps the one season that Liverpool could have done without it, given the injuries that they've got. So they, they, they can't wait anymore Liverpool as you said they can't wait as Lynch said they've got to start getting the results now because they could easily be they come back in you know at the end of December and there's, they're out of the Champions League and there's very little to play for not so much certainly won't be playing for the title but they'll have a bit of a struggle to get into the top four so you know it's going to be tough in terms of Curtis Jones yeah I think he'll get 
he'll get minutes because he's, as you say, he's a very good player. I think he's a very good player. He can play in a couple of positions in that midfield. And yeah, he's, he's for all the you know, people, I know that, again, he's another one of those players because he wasn't a big money signing. Some supporters on social media haven't got any time for it. But he's still a young lad and he's got the energy, which we've seen the difference that one thing Harvey Elliott has brought is a lot of running. One thing that Cavallio's brought when he's brought on is that he's come on is that. And Jones can do exactly the same. So I do think if, if Liverpool need more legs in midfield and a bit more energy, they need to get him fit as soon as possible. Yes, absolutely. Let's move on to the attack then before we finish. Let's go to the obvious one first, Lynchy, of Darwin Nunez, obviously the, the big money signing over the summer. Hasn't quite happened for him yet, obviously, but he's only played sort of three games or, or there or thereabouts in total. It's obviously far too soon to be judging him, far too soon for him to be fully integrated. But then I suppose the flip side of that is, well, part of that is his fault. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it just, it's so frustrating, really, that he did what he did um, against Crystal Palace because he's cost himself and the team a, a bit of adaptation time. And, 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 you know, we're still in that period now where we're saying, OK, well, it's early days. He hasn't played much. He needs to get used to this and that. And, and his teammates need to get used to him. We would have been three games further down the line in that process now. Um, you know, and he would have started those games as well, I think, because I think... I think Jurgen Klopp wanted him in the team ahead of Firmino in that period. It was obvious he was starting and Jota had been out through injury and now you've got a situation where Jota is back and, and, and I thought looked really lively against Ajax. Um, and it's now sort of difficult for Nunez to get in, but also alongside that, Liverpool know that they probably do need to get him in because he's, as Doyley mentioned earlier, the guy they're supposed to be remodelling the attack around. And it, it, you know, they, so they want to get him integrated as soon as possible. And yet that whole process has been delayed. And now Ian Klopp's in this mode where he thinks, OK, I need to just get results. I want to start Jota. Um, so it's just, yeah, a, a, a frustration around him, really, I suppose. I think you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what sort of comes out from after the international break in terms of you know, how Jurgen Klopp settles on that. Does he start giving maybe Jota a couple of games on the left-hand side and give Diaz a little bit of a rest? And that, that gives him a way of getting Nunez in the team. Um, but, it, you know, a lot of these games coming up are, are difficult ones and ones Liverpool need to get points on the board. And so the fact that this process is ongoing now is, yeah, just far from ideal, really. I suppose that's the thing, isn't it, Doidi, that the only way that Darwin Nunez gets used to Liverpool and Liverpool get used to him is by him playing. It's it's a bit of a quandary when you've got these big games coming up, but the longer they leave it, the longer that process is going to take. No, he'll get his games. Don't worry about that. As I said before, they're playing twice a week. As, as Lynch just mentioned there, I can see Jota playing on the left, giving Diaz a bit of a break. Diaz, has he got four goals this season? He kind of just snuck up, hasn't he? With his, He got two against Bournemouth, one against Napoli and Palace, wasn't it? The other one. Yeah, yeah. so he's kind of... It's weird because he he doesn't always just score the same goal, but a lot of them are not dissimilar, shall we say. Um, and he can, you know, he always works hard, but he doesn't always affect the games maybe as much as Mane would do when he was there. So I think that's still something that he's got to... I think he's, he, he, just to he's, come he's, in on... Sorry, Ian, just to come in on that. What, one thing I think you'd like to see him do more of is score the Mane-type Mane goals in terms mm. of coming inside the centre-half and the right-back and just the one-touch finish. I think that a lot of the goals, you rightly say, are sort of similar in terms of that, like cutting inside and killing in a beauty. And while they're impressive, to get the top, top numbers, he needs to score some more of those striker goals. I think I think you're right to sort of mention that. But then how much of that is down to the fact he hasn't quite got the relationship with Robertson yet? And obviously, Robertson's not... Well, again, because he wasn't a big money signing, you know, so he's getting a bit of criticism online. 
don't think it's been as bad as what people are saying. It's certainly not been at its top form, and it was the last game he played actually. What was the last game he played? Everton, Napoli. Played was that Napoli? what? Oh, so you're on about Robertson? Robertson, yeah. Robertson. Yeah, he came off, didn't he? With the it, it sort of got the injury in the last minutes against Napoli, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I seem to recall him having a decent game when he came on somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Could have been Everton, actually. Could have been Everton. Um, yeah, yeah. Simicast started, didn't he? Against yeah, Everton that's right. Yeah, on. he did. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you're right. Simicast has done reasonably okay. I mean, the pair of them have just been. It's like Trent. They've not been anywhere near at the best, but they're doing okay. I mean, Simicast obviously put in the cross for the uh, for Matip's header against Ajax. Um, but yeah, going back to the forwards, Diaz. I do think that yeah, the he. He does need to score those different. T- but then again, if 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 Nunes is going to be the man in the middle, perhaps he doesn't need to score them. That's what yeah. Nunes is there. Stay in the middle, and they'll just get the ball into him, and he can do the rest. He'll still need to score, you know, chipping with the goals. But as Lynchy said, they've not been able to do that because Nunes hasn't been there because he got sent off, and then obviously Liverpool suddenly need points, and they can't. It's it's a lot harder to integrate new players into a team that suddenly needs to start winning. It's like when youngsters come in, isn't it? It's like you always want to bring youngsters into teams that are actually winning, which is why you look at City, you know, Man City, for example, they, they're they doing quite well with their youngsters coming through when they do. Fold me ultimate example of that because they're into a winning team and they're not having to, they don't have as much responsibility as they should do, which brings us back to Harvey Elliott and he's, he's been given too much responsibility probably. Yeah. Yeah, but they brought Cole Palmer on, I think, didn't they, at the weekend when they were a couple of goals up and, and that kind of thing. Liverpool obviously did that as well with a couple against Bournemouth as well, but that was a bit of a, an anomaly, so we say, in terms of the uh, the result for that one. But just before we uh, we move on to the, the women's team quickly, just to finish on the attack, Lynchy, Roberto Firmino as well, I wanted to, to mention, obviously, mentioned the Bournemouth game there, was, was excellent in that, but again, a little bit of an anomaly. It's not been the greatest start, I don't think, to the season for him. And obviously, with him, there's that contract question as well inside the last year of, of his deal. It's uh, it's fair to say he came in to the season probably thinking he was fifth choice. But I would say he's maybe not done a great deal to change that up to this point. No, but I, I do wonder whether sort of if we're going to see a little bit more of this four-two-three-one, which Klopp seems to sort of sometimes be going to at the end of the games if, if it's a little bit tight um, you know we saw Firmino come on against Ajax and I, you know I, I, I think there's an opportunity for him in terms of being the one uh, the one in the middle of the three there um, you know because he offers something different and I think I, I think yeah in terms of probably the fifth choice attacker and I think it's going to be hard for him to supplant Nunez and Jota as, as threats to his sort of central striking role, but I do think there's opportunities for him to to show off that sort of those skills and, and qualities he's got as an attacking midfielder. If if that's a sort of that shape, even though Klopp seems reluctant to start games with it, if he's going to end a few games with it, tight games where Liverpool need to get as many forwards on the pitch as possible, I think that's a real opportunity because he's you know I still think you know okay he's not a natural finisher and he never really has been, but I think. In terms of if you want someone to take the ball in tight areas, control it, drag defenders to him, and then create space for others, I don't think there's anyone better in the Liverpool squad in terms of that taking the ball in in really difficult situations and 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 constantly being willing to show for it as well. And he's also you know phenomenal in terms of the intelligence of his pressing as well. So I think you know I I don't think he I think we're at the point now where we all accept that he's not going to be signed a new deal. But I think you know if this is the end of his Liverpool career, his, his last season at Liverpool, then he's still you know, still got plenty to offer in a couple of different roles, and I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, there's a couple of big goals in between now and the end of the season. That's for sure. What What I would say about Nunes is, I think his start of his Liverpool career is far more going to be like Firmino's was, which took a while. Because if you look at Jota, and Mane, and Salah, 
all of them had played in the Premier League before. Sato didn't play for much, but obviously Mane was already there and, and Jota had been there. I played the Championship, actually, Jota. So we knew exactly what to expect. All of them could speak English as well. And I think if you look at Firmino, I'm pretty sure he didn't speak much English when he arrived and he certainly hadn't played in the Premier League. And he came into a team where, which wasn't doing particularly well and then he got injured. So it's kind of a little bit like that where I do think Nunes, it's going to take a little while. The thing about him, obviously, is that he got the... The goals early on, didn't he, against Fulham and he scored in the in the community shield against City. So there was that expectation. But you know, anybody expected him to be let's just say there's a striker at Manchester City who scored a, who's already won the golden boot now, even if he doesn't score another goal all season, let's face it. Um so you know he was always going to be a success because he's exactly what was needed. And of course, he was well, he never played in the Premier League. He was brought up by somebody who did play in the Premier League. So <laughs> that's, that's that, 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 yeah, that does help. Like, well, what, what, what happens here, Dad? You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, I don't think we can overlook that. And he speaks English as well. So, you know, there's 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 a lot that Nunes is having to overcome. As we mentioned before, some of it's his own fault. But not his fault the team's gone a bit, you know, not rubbish, but certainly not as good as they were. It's not, and it's, you know, it, he's he's presumably learning English as quickly as he can, having to settle in. And, but as I say, I would compare the start of his Anfield career more to that of Firmino than I would to Salah, Mane and Jota. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting comparison. Though hopefully we don't see Darwin Nunez at left wing back, as I think we did with Firmino <laughs> in the first few Yeah, weeks. but Brendan Rodgers isn't in charge. And I know Lynchy loves loves Leicester and Brendan and things aren't looking so great for them at the moment. But and I think the worst thing for Leicester is they don't play Liverpool until December the 31st. So it's, you know, there's not much chance of them getting many points before that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, a difficult time for them. But let's move on. We'll stick with a Liverpool theme. Liverpool women's team, obviously, Doidy beating Chelsea on the opening day back in the, the WSL for the first time in a couple of seasons. Obviously, Chelsea, you know, I think we all know, no matter how much or, or little we know about women's football, Chelsea very much at the forefront of that. So an impressive result to get started with for Liverpool and important that they're back in the top flight as well. True. Good to see that, you know, they kept up the, the, the men's first team tradition of conceding first as well very early on uh, but to, yeah I know it was two penalties that won the game for them but to come back from from being behind against a team who you know everybody expects quite a lot from this season it's interesting for Liverpool women actually because when FSG first started they invested quite a lot of money into the women's team and they won a couple of leagues under under Matt Beard who's obviously in charge now and I wouldn't say they got sidetracked, but I think they kind of then the focus went more onto the first team because after they'd seen what had happened in 2014 when they when they nearly won the won the Premier League, so I think that they've, they've got there's still a, a bit more to go, but I think the way that things have changed at the club, obviously that they're playing at Anfield, is it next is it next week against Everton and yeah. uh, the derby? There was more than 3,000 there at Prenton Park uh, yesterday, which is a record crowd for for a for a home game at, at, for Liverpool women at, at Prenton Park, so. And they've still got that feel-good factor, not so much necessarily from what happened at the Euros with obviously England winning it, but the fact that Liverpool got promoted and there was more interest, certainly from the second half of last season, which I'm not saying it piggybacked on what was happening with the first team, but because the first te- the, the men's team was doing so well, I think there was the kind of an interest in all aspects of Liverpool. And I think the, the women's team benefited from that. And maybe they're going to show the men's team how to actually win some games. Yeah, certainly be interesting to see how they get on next weekend. But just sort of in terms of this season as a whole, Lynchy, for, for Liverpool women, is it just the case you think of, of success is, is staying up, having got promoted? I suppose the, the result over Chelsea is, is eye-catching, but they are still going to have a, a bit of a challenge to, to stay in the division. 
Yeah, I don't think the aim now is going to be to sort of win the league. Um, <laughs> but it's but you know it, it is a really encouraging start. And I'd, I'd say with Doyle right to mention sort of that they won the league a couple of times a few years ago, and I think you know relegation came as a bit of a shock couple of years back, I think. It was sort of years of... They were a bit, sort of... a bit unlucky, weren't they? It was the pandemic year as well. I know they yeah. may have gone down, but to not have the chance to try and stay up, I think it kind of set them back, didn't it? But there was a feeling around it that, that had been sort of the women's setup had been sort of neglected in the years preceding that, and that was the ultimate consequence of it. And I think it really sort of refocused minds, and there was, a re, you know, there was a lot of changes were made in the aftermath of that to bring the team immediately back up, and now, you know, to make a perfect start in the WSL. And you know, yeah, the, the aim this season will just be to stay up, but I think there is an ambition there to to do more than that in the long term. And I think we can see, you know, we've seen from this summer in terms of what the real potential of women's football, and if that's not making the, you know, the higher ups. Liverpool, you know, sit up and take notice and think that there's, you know, if they put a little bit of money behind this, that there's, you know, real potential for growth. You know, we're seeing growing crowds and growing interest. The broadcasting deals are getting bigger. All these things. So, yeah, hopefully Liverpool can this season. Yeah, just just try and stay in the WSL and do your best to do that. But beyond that, you know, it should be aiming for more because you know Liverpool is a big is a big name, a big brand, and it should be a, a big team in women's football because you look at the other ones who are at the top of the table in, in women's football at the moment. The, the, the names you'd expect, you know, United are expected to go close this season, City and Chelsea, despite poor results on the opening weekend for them. So, you know, Liverpool should be right up there and that should be the longer term aim. Yeah, absolutely. An excellent start for Liverpool women. But I think we'll leave it there for today's podcast. Loads more stuff to come throughout the week. We might have a QA and a on Friday's Blood Red podcast. So do keep an eye out for that to submit your questions. For now, though, I think that's all we've got time for. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.